It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the American Outlaw Talk Radio Network. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for today, and the next hour on the National Security Hour. We have a real exciting guest today as we speak with Dr. Li Yang about China's cognitive war against America and her life under the Chinese Communist Party. As we wish to get her perspective on the potential vulnerabilities and weaknesses of Xi and his tyrannical regime in the cognitive domain and also about how they relate to the ongoing global cognitive war with China and Russia in our domestic cognitive war, which is being waged by the Biden administration and progressive radical extremists. And lastly, we'll discuss why does the USA lack a strategy to compete and move from a reactive to a proactive posture in both the global and domestic cognitive wars. I'd like to remind our listeners that this episode is part of a series of critical ongoing discussions between Dr. Yun and myself on cognitive war. You'll get critical insights and a deeper understanding of the importance of cognitive war plays in today's world as I engage with her on both her show, The Voice of Dr. Yun, and here on the NASA Security Hour, both of which are part of the America Out Loud talk radio network. The problem we face is that the United States remains reactive focused on kinetic solutions, failing to define the problems yet seeing technology as salvation. Yet they do this without realizing the real war, the ongoing war is a cognitive war that is occurring both globally and domestically. It is truly the existential threat to our republic and freedoms from my perspective. As Dr. Yan and I have discussed, The Art of War by Sun Tzu was written over 2,500 years ago. But I contend that the fundamentals of war have not changed substantially over those centuries and over those millennia. War has always been and will be focused on the will, the spirit, and the conquest of the most critical territory, that of the human mind, the cognitive domain. Once our adversary takes that domain, all will is lost, and then subjugation, compliance, complacency replace what we have today, which is freedom, independence, or opportunities that we once enjoyed. As you heard me often say in this program, freedom is not free. What has changed over the last few centuries is the democratization of technology to advance the flow or constriction of information so as to refine the art of impacting the most critical domain, the cognitive domain. Now, China has advanced its ability to wage war in a cognitive domain substantially over the last few decades, as they have advanced a well-thought-out, a multifaceted, and truly strategic strategy. In comparison, in the United States, our national security effort sits, it waits, and it reacts. When you're reacting to an adversary, you're in a losing posture. You need to be proactive and move on the offensive. Why are military intelligence agencies and all three branches of government continue to fail to realize this fact 
and avoid developing a resilient, truly strategic, and, and when I mean strategic, I'm talking a hundred year strategy and the required capabilities and capacity to compete and win in the cognitive war, I find it truly surreal, purely based on stupidity and likely to end with the advance of evil unless we begin to adjust our practices immediately. The US strategy must start with how we define the world and how we wish to see it for the next 100 years to 1000 years as a free, independent, peaceful, and prosperous world. This is a critical task our leaders must deal with and reconcile if we are to keep our republic. To address this topic, let me introduce my guest for today, Dr. Lee Min Yang. She is a medical doctor, PhD, virologist, and independent coronavirus expert who was educated at two top medical schools in China, the Southern Medical University and Central South University and at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong, where she received a postdoctoral fellow. Her extensive professional network and scientific evidence, Dr. Yan has the distinction of being the only Chinese insider in the West with firsthand knowledge of the true nature of the China flu or COVID-19 virus, as well as the CCP's deceptive methods used to disguise their international bioweapons research. She determined through her investigation that the spread of the virus in Wuhan was not the result of a lab leak. Recognizing this danger and the danger posed, she fled to the United States to reveal the truth to the world. Dr. Yen has attracted worldwide media attention. She's been interviewed, as you've seen, on multiple major news outlets, including the Washington Post, Fox News, Newsmax, Tucker Carlson Show, and others. So welcome, Dr. Yen. It's a pleasure to continue these critical discussions with you. Let me turn to you now for your thoughts, given you grew up in China, lived under this tyrannical regime, and fled for your life from there. How or what do you see as the potential vulnerabilities and weaknesses of Xi and his tyrannical regime in the cognitive domain? Over to you. Hi, Edward. Thank you for having me again. Uh, yes, that is a very great question. And ac actually, I would say that um, if you find out the most vulnerable uh, vulnerability and the weakness of the regime, it basically can uh, uh, help America to, de uh, to defeat uh, Chinese Communist Party and their evil allies. Because uh, Chinese Communist Party regime is based on dictatorship and very strict control of people. Mm, we call it Leninist organization. And also uh, during the development, it has combined a lot of Chinese culture. So that make it unique and also difficult uh, for Western people to understand it. However, the most uh, vulnerable part in this system, according to my knowledge, would be that all the things can finally concentrate to one person, the power, all the authorities, and also uh, the only one who can make the decision, who can decide the direction of the develop, uh, development of the regime, it's the leader himself. And now it means Xi Jinping. So that's why when we talk about the cognitive war, uh, when Chinese Communist Party 
attacked U.S. using the uh, cognitive tactics. Basically, they have to focus on the uh, 300 million Americans because in America, everyone have their own thinking. So they are independent. They can express their ideas and their ideas finally may influence the final decision of the whole country. However, back to China, that in this kind of uh, absolute uh, autocratic uh, regime, everyone has no right to express their opinions. They have to listen to the king, the emperor, means Xi Jinping now. So that means if America needs to do the same thing uh, in the war against China in the cognitive domain, then you can focus on Xi Jinping because everything comes to China finally go to Xi Jinping to influence the policy. And basically, uh, let me be more uh, frank, that means if you can change the cognition of Xi Jinping, then uh, you can influence the whole Chinese Communist Party regime. And that is uh, when we talk about the biggest weakness of this regime, I would say understand Xi Jinping and influence Xi Jinping. And this, because this is cognitive war is based on a multi-domain tactics. So you have to focus on uh, your, both of your uh, cognitive tactics like the uh, psychological, uh, informative and law uh, tactics plus the kinetic tactics. And let it focus to the people, uh, to the person who makes the decision in China, who makes the decision to influence the global policies. And that is the point. Uh, it will be the best way for American side when you face, uh, face this kind of cognitive uh, warfare in front of China to uh, find the biggest weakness. And if you can understand the uh, Chinese culture, this kind of uh, society, uh, the real situation behind Xi Jinping, and that will help you to understand Xi's uh, psychological activities, she's a uh, cognition, and uh, she's also uh, uh, anticipate she's decision. So that for the dictatorship, uh, yes, they have a lot of power, a lot of uh, resources uh, now globally for Chinese Communist Party to use it to uh, build their own power to undermine uh, America and Western culture, Western countries. But also when we see the uh, dictatorship, we can see that is also the biggest weakness. So, so very interesting. So, so you, you suggest we focus on Xi. So I'm going to bounce some different ideas off you as well as part of this discussion and dialogue. And so when I look at uh, what you mentioned about Xi and he's trying to focus on the 300,000, uh, 300 million Americans, one of the things that stands out right away is that on the platform TikTok, there are supposedly 150 million Americans on that platform. Mm. And when you talk about then influencing Americans, it becomes very understandable then why the Chinese Communist Party 
focuses with ByteDance so heavily on that platform and keeping it alive. For example, there's been a lot of propaganda and disinformation passed about a bill that is being put forth to ban TikTok here in the United States. And what you see is a variety of, I think, surrogate propagandists who are pushing the notion that this bill will actually remove freedoms from people in the United States and result in fines. But if you read the actual bill, there's no such language like that in the bill. So you have to be careful because what China does in this cognitive warfare here against the 300 million Americans is it uses that deceit and its influencers on TikTok amongst the 150 million Americans to spread this BS like the plague. What's also interesting is in, in parallel, is I, I like to also bring this to the domestic cognitive war. In parallel, the Biden administration is engaging with who? Influencers to, to help with the next campaign. Well, where are those influencers based on? Where are they hosted on? Well, they're hosted on TikTok. So what's very intriguing here is the administration is supporting supporting and courting these TikTok influencers at the same time it's supposedly saying it's looking to then get this platform out of the United States. So it's very interesting because this, this digital strategy is part of a fuller cognitive domain operations I think China has in mind with a compromised Biden administration and how to influence Americans. But let me go back in terms of Xi. So Xi, yes, I agree. He's the most powerful and he has, uh, he has the, the, all the deck of cards in his hands right now. However, when we saw what happened during the COVID lockdowns in China and the massive uprising compared to the, the, the lockdowns, which are extremely draconian, there's a huge backlash against Xi and the administration. So the Chinese government then had to go back and backtrack on those severe measures and stop implementing the harsh COVID, uh, zero COVID measures. With, and because people were protesting across China, across all the major cities. And so for me, that shows a major, major weakness. And what was interesting here, the protesters understand they're under continued surveillance, understand they're in a draconian regime from my perspective. But I'd like to get your perspective on that. Is they did so by holding up sheets of white paper because they knew they couldn't verbally demand the end of COVID, but they used a symbol. So from your perspective, having lived in communist China and coming out of there, yes, she has the power, but the people there still have potential for significant power if they are then unified and pulled together. What are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, Edward. So first, let's talk about the uh, white paper revolution and also Xi's withdrawal of the zero COVID policy. Actually, from my uh, perspective, I won't say there is a uh, like the fundamental difference uh, with what I have uh, from what I have said just now because uh, this is a. You know, this is a whole process. She has to do the cognitive war against American. Also, she, when I say she, yes, I would say he is the top target for uh, America. However, 
why I don't mention uh, Chinese Communist Party uh, organization other because now she has concentrated the power. He has replaced the officials, people, military uh, leaders, and everyone in the important positions to his own people. And he regularly will do this kind of uh, replacement to guarantee the loyalty from this system. So he now has, after over 10 years uh, in China as a chairman, he has already managed to uh, maximally concentrate his power. So when, when we focus on Xi, that means once Xi fall down, the people, the structure behind Xi will also fall down. That repeatedly happened in Chinese culture, always one, uh, once the dynasty is changed, uh, that is followed from uh, death or the uh, capture of the emperor of the previous dynasty. And now we talk about white paper revolution. Actually, that is a result of the countermeasure of CCP's uh, brainwash cognitive uh, tactics in domestic in chi domestically in China. Because why this time, uh, as you say, the revolution, the protest has the uh, uh, international, uh, this kind of strong response and uh, even forced Xi Jinping to change the zero COVID policy. It's because people wake up and people wake up during the COVID uh, lockdown period. Also people like us, we and also American side because uh, Chinese people, they still, when they face to this kind of uh, firewall, they still will manage to go cross it to see what happened in the Western country, in the freedom countries. And we are giving them this kind of value of freedom and including, uh, I mean, basically that is uh, based on what we call the American value now. Uh, and also we help them to understand that uh, what you suffered in China is wrong. What you were taught from the childhood, from the family, from the society in China was just brainwashed. And you should realize the value of freedom. You should realize you as an individual, you have your own um, human rights endorsed and you should speak out you should fight against it because freedom is not free and that's why this time when we say the white white paper revolution happened the most important thing which can uh, beat ccp beat xi jinping to force them to change is people call for freedom and the people didn't just call for negotiation with the communist party under Xi Jinping. Yes. They were talking about take down CCP and break and Xi Jinping should step down. They, they are talking about the total change of the communist China structure. And that touched the fundamental things uh, of the Chinese communist party and the Xi Jinping regime. And that's something uh, beyond their expectation. However, we also need to say the weakness of the protest because Chinese Communist Party is too powerful. Although they show they have withdrawn the zero policy, zero COVID policy for a while, but what happened after that? Immediately, we say that unexplained COVID 
outbreak happened all over China immediately, almost at the same time. And we see that so many people that over a million, we can see, and based on the estimation, we see the hospital and the funeral place uh, has, I mean, already overloaded. People dying like crazy. And Chinese Communist Party didn't give them drugs, no diagnosis, and no other kind of protection or treatment. And also, after the, um, over two months of this kind of outbreak in China, which China government suppressed the news and changed uh, uh, change the word again, also the protesters in the white, uh, white paper protest are secretly arrested by the Communist Party and using different kind of excuses. And they're basically just gone. Some people, we know their names. Most of them, we don't know. And they're gone because Chinese Communist Party spend more time secretly to locate yes. them and disappear them. So, but, that- but so I, I have to interrupt you just for a short, we have to take a short break here. But when we come back, I want to pick up on exactly that because the White Paper Revolution the arrest, the secret arrest of these demonstrators in the White Paper Revolution and the purposeful uh, allowance of those people to die are some critical things we'll, when we come back we'll talk to with Dr. Yen about. As we go to break here, be sure to make AmericanOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We will all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and the videos so we can help secure America's freedom. We'll be right back. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. 
Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made CofixRx nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. On with me today is Dr. Li Min Yang, and we're talking about cognitive war and how we can undertake efforts to then debase Xi and his regime in the cognitive domain. As we left for break, Dr. Yen was giving a very insightful review of what happened post-COVID lockdowns and the white paper revolution. So Dr. Yen, why don't you continue with that? As you talked about, they basically, the Chinese communists basically allowed uh, with the mass outbreaks of COVID after the lockdown was lifted, to then go in and I basically deny people drugs and remedies, but also go in and secretly arrest thousands of white revolution demonstrators. If you can t- take that point on and carry it on, please. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. So, uh, Edward, you know, when we talk about the uh, and, uh, lift of the uh, zero COVID policy in China, I say the global response is, oh, Xi Jinping is weak now. And uh, yeah, Chinese Communist Party need to uh, show their compromise and to the people's people's, uh, demand something. But that's just very superficial uh, opinions. When you see what happened after that, they have released, I mean, I would use this word, I mean, because it's very suspicious and the, all this kind of information we I collected from China during this uh, mysterious COVID outbreak back to end of last year related to certain purpose, political purpose, which we can't explain it as a medical public health issue. So when, when this kind of outbreak again suddenly happened. It gave Chinese Communist Party and the Xi Jinping a time to take a break because at that time, they again changed your attention. They distract the global media and other governments that, oh, now something crisis happened and they even can use this chance to promote their zero COVID policy. Because if you go back to see the uh, media report at that time, including the public health experts globally, they comment on that as because China has great zero COVID policy, protected their people. So Chinese people are vulnerable. And that's why when the policy was lifted, suddenly the outbreak come back and Basically, they imply you that the zero COVID and the Xi Jinping's policy was great and just uh, somehow it has to be lifted and people need to face to the life loss. That is totally another cognitive tactics. And uh, for my understanding, I think it works well in the Western countries. Again, it fits some uh, opinions, West uh, easy uh, easy for Western people to accept. Oh yeah, policy is good, the people want too much. Sometimes, yeah, there would be the controversial result, unexpected, so we need to be, uh, we need to treat it in a balance. However, you have to understand the Chinese culture. That's why we talk about the culture differences. Here, when we talk about the change of the policy, it is a 
temporary achievement of between Chinese people and the CCP government, Xi Jinping's government in the cognitive domain. So people realize freedom. They realize CCP and Xi Jinping are the uh, restriction for Chinese people to pursue the freedom. They want to remove it. And then Xi Jinping and CCP, they should temporarily step back. However, they take the revenge to people and also they distract the attention of the world. And Western people, they lack of this kind of culture understanding. So it's difficult for them to connect the white paper protest with the uh, upcoming uh, outbreak <clears throat> after that. Well, what's interesting there, though, a couple of things that come to mind then. So when you talk about uh, the lockdowns and they lifted the lockdowns and they had millions of people who were infected and number, like you said, the hospitals were overwhelmed and there, a number of people died. Well, that was uh, probably going to be inevitable in one sense, uh, because uh, maintaining that lockdown was also killing uh, thousands of people because they're starving them to death. Yes. And the reason they uprose because and, and created the white paper revolution was because of that draconian measures were actually killing them off regardless. And so it's from my perspective, I saw them standing up against the tyrannical regime, knowing full well there would probably be repercussions. But I think that what I'm seeing is that's, that's an opening. That's a weakness. That's an opportunity. Because <clears throat> as you said, as she falls, the dynasty falls. But how does she fall? There's a weak underbelly in China. There's a weak underbelly in every tyrannical system, whether it's Russia, China, Iran, or others. Because they only have a handful of people who are controlling the millions, or in case China, a billion people. They only have a handful of people who help enforce that. But over time, as you said, just like in the former Soviet Union, these people become disillusioned based on what they've seen happening. They become disgruntled because they realize that although they have certain benefits, they, they can't think independently. They can't say things independently. And so my suspicion is that behind closed doors, they actually do do things like that with close friends or relatives, but trusted people. And if not, they at least have those thoughts internally. So, so correct me if I'm wrong on that premise before I go any further. Is, is there across the Chinese culture an understanding they are under a tyrannical regime, one, and two, that they are subjugated in many ways? What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, uh, yes. So I never deny the, uh, the courage and efforts of the uh, white paper revolution protesters. And also there are so many people that are doing their own things uh, in different ways to uh, fight for freedom. However, what I want to say is here, we have, when uh, I say Americans uh, like to compare China with Soviet Union. Yes, there are a lot of things in common because communist com communisms come from Soviet Union basically to China. And also back to the beginning of the Chinese Communist Party regime, it was financially and also technically for, uh, supported by the Soviet Union. So there are a lot of things in common. However, we need to go to the culture difference. The Chinese culture is very different from the Soviet Union culture, the Russian culture, and 
compared to them, I would say that uh, if you wanted me to say uh, using tree color to show it, it's kind of black and white. And if you want me to describe, I would say Russia-Soviet Union culture is more like a tough way, hard way. It's like, okay, you come to me, let's fight. And it's more close to American culture. That's why Cold War can happen. But when we talk to the Chinese culture, you have to realize one of the biggest difference come out from the system in Chinese culture for over 2000 years. Basically in Chinese culture, people are enslaved from different period until now. Technology development, but developed, but the way the government rule people never fundamentally changed. That's why when we talk about people, their own capacities, we know always there will be people wake up, especially when we are helping them to wake up. However, yes. their capacity is already restricted seriously, uh, uh, Along the, over the time, and also because the in the Chinese culture, the governments have accumulated enough experience to know how to manipulate and control and suppress people. That's why you say the secret arrest happened after immediately after the mysterious outbreak happened in China, and then until now, you don't know who are arrested. You can't see too many people uh, come out and talking about this because I can tell you some example. My audience in China, uh, they are the target, top target for MSS and also, I mean, Ministry of State Security and the police, uh, public security to arrest, to suppress. How could they uh, find the excuse to arrest them? They won't let you know those people are uh, committed political crime. Although they will give them more sentence than political crime, but they will arrest them as the title of the thieves, and uh, you have violated some some law and also whatever things because they know the when the uh, outsider people from Western countries go to check whether China has this record to punish this protesters, these uh, people who wake up, they will follow the cr political crime records. And uh, CCP already knows that. So in this way, they can manage to hide all of this kind of records, even you get the chance to access to this record. So this is again, in a cognitive level, they know you, your stereotype, uh, and then they know how to countermeasure it using the very cunning way. So I just think it as example, because when we talk all these things happen, Chinese Communist Party has mixed the multi-domain method with the, uh, in the cognitive uh, domain to finally make it very uh, powerful, very strong to control the situation. No, so this, so very good information, very good, very good insights. So a couple of things I like to peel back on the onion there uh, in terms of this. So one of the reasons I think that you found a receptive audience in the West when she then talked about his policies being successful is because unfortunately in the West, you saw when the China flu was released, 
they use these draconian lockdowns much in the same way that tyrannical regimes like she did to further subjugate and control her people. And here in the United States, in the domestic cognitive war, the progressive extremists on the left saw that China flu and COVID as a perfect opportunity to expand the reach and control of government. I mean, just this week, Biden is going to uh, finally stop uh, the COVID uh, emergency lockdown aspects. But the reason I think you find a receptive audience is because like lemmings in Russia, like lemmings in China, you have lemmings here in the United States who, who bow to the progressive extremists and you had the same people tell you you needed to wear a mask, you needed to be locked down, you needed to stay home. And they they hid the science, they lied about the science, and they used it purposely to lock down people. So that's why I think you see a great reception here, because what we have in America here is a mainstream media. They're the propaganda horse for this administration. They're the propaganda to the fifth column. They're no longer a free set of institutions who look to guarantee the public trust. No, they are now a fifth column because they're parrots, much like the Chinese media are. And so as we go to break here again, we'll come back and follow this up and, and like to talk with Dr. Yen regarding Chinese students in the United States and the ongoing and how we can relate further this ongoing cognitive war between us and China and Russia and how it plays here in the domestic cognitive war in the United States. So remember, our shows play weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the American Outlaw Talk Radio Network. They can be heard on iHeartRadio, our world-class media player, and Austin applications on Apple, Android, or Alexa. These links can all be found on our homepage at americaoutloud.com. That's americaoutloud.com. We'll be right back. Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to the National Security Hour with Dr. Yen as we talk about cognitive war globally and domestically. So as we left the last break, Dr. Yen, we were talking about uh, the restrictions on the Chinese public and how the regime has gained great experience over the last years, decades, using technology to further subjugate and control and manipulate the people. But... From my perspective, still, even with the Chinese culture, uh, it doesn't matter, I think, which culture you grow up in. There's still an underlying understanding 
that there's freedom and there's subjugation because it's inherent to every human, regardless of where they're born, in my opinion. And so what's interesting here is that we have 360,000 to 370,000 Chinese students in the United States. And so from your perspective, when I look at that number of Chinese students, as we talked offline prior to the show, each of those students comes here and gains a further cultural insight into the United States and how the United States operates, how it works, our culture, understanding. Not only that, they come here and they gain uh, a very good uh, appreciation for the language and to converse in the language to get the cultural nuances and other things here. So what's interesting from my perspective is even though there's 360 to 370,000 Chinese students in the, in, the, in the United States, there are only uh, three to 4,000, I think, currently and upwards of the height, I think, of 18,000 totally American students have gone to China to study. So from your perspective, if I wanted to, to uh, as you said, help awaken the Chinese people these Chinese students offer a route to do that, but we have to be very careful because, of course, they're monitored. They have a cultural mindset of control and so compliance, uh, but it doesn't mean that they're deaf, dumb, and blind, meaning there's different ways to help inform them and feed them information without putting them at risk. So from your perspective, what would you consider a useful approach to engage these over half million, uh, nearly half million Chinese students in the United States to help awaken the beast. So first, uh, when we talk about this uh, almost half billion, uh, half million Chinese people, students here, we have to know something that Chinese Communist Party won't allow people freely come to China, uh, come to U.S. for study. That up to the first is financial support. You know, in China, majority of people living in a poor condition and even difficult for some of them to go to the, uh, many of them to go to the university in China, which is much cheaper than the cost in US. So that already restricted the majority of Chinese people to come to US. And uh, also when we talk about people now, especially in the recent, 20, almost 20 years, uh, Chinese Communist Party uh, have this kind of system to select the student go to US. And so when we talk about especially those kind of PhD level student, uh, yes. majority of them have the full, uh, full scholarship. And this kind of people, if you go, because I have a lot of Friends and I was one of the person tried to apply it when I was in China. Do you know how strict the Chinese Communist Party control this population? So first, uh, I can tell you my story. I tried to ex uh, apply it from twenty twelve. At that time, uh, I was uh, uh, almost graduated as PhD. I want to come here to be the postdoc fellow, which means it is a job. I should receive my salary to do the research and I'm qualified to be the postdoc fellow. Yes. However, all this level of position, including the PhD level, they are controlled by Chinese Communist Party. They have established the massive network with the laboratories in US. 
especially in NIH, in my field, biofield, they supply you the student, the scholarship can be afforded by Chinese government using national scholarship. And basically as American explorer, you sit here waiting for the elite student come here for free. And what does it mean? That means you have to go into CCP system to be the candidate. And the CCP will fully review you. And also, most importantly, they will give you political tasks and also agreement you have to sign. You, it guarantees you regularly report to the Chinese government and cooperate with Chinese government for CCP's uh, benefits to do anything in U.S. I, I don't mean all of the students will do it finally, but it's up to CCP. They know you are in the database. And one thing they can deliver you to different laboratories and control you. Once the laboratory in US have the students, the Chinese scholars uh, work uh, for, it, it will show the value for China. Then that means China already builds a bridge between CCP and this laboratory. As are the intellectual property stealing or the bring the uh, American researchers back to China for those kind of collaboration, compromise them or uh, blackmail them, and also use the enhance this kind, amplify this kind of influence in the academic field. Why I say NIH? Because NIH is one of the most influential fields in the past decades. Uh, basically, NIH don't pay the don't like to pay the Chinese scholar or students. They have enough, more than enough candidate for them to select. They just yes. save their grounds using the free labors. And for CCP's perspective, that is the best way for CCP to open the gate of America and grab everything you have. And that's why when COVID happened, we see the compromised uh, expert campaign from US, leading by US, and we say they help China cover up the origin of COVID-19. And uh, that, that is so really Yes. Well, so, so this is very interesting to me because uh, you're touching on a few things here that I think the audience must listen to and also must start to take a look at passing on to your legislators, your elected officials for their awareness. So let me touch on a few things is how... Uh, what you're talking about relates to not only the global cognitive war, but also the domestic cognitive war here in the United States that I believe is being waged by the Biden administration. So when you talk about the 360,000 to 370,000 Chinese students, you specifically noted they have to be in the CCP system, and therefore there's a certain level of reporting requirements and control. To me, that's basically saying you have eyes and ears or, you know, for lack of a, a more simple term, spies across the United States and all these different students to some degree because they're beholden to the Chinese government to do so. What's interesting about that is not only in the NIH and what you pointed out, the complete fraudulent campaign to lie to the Americans about the origins of COVID-19, not only in the NIH, but in our intelligence community which was hidden and put away for the last two years and now only recently has come out with just like uh, as we talked last time, Department of Energy only 
giving a head nod to a potential leak from a lab. So for the audience to understand this, there's a definite linkage, in my opinion, as an intelligence analyst for four decades between what China is doing globally and what Biden's doing domestically here. And how do I know that? Well, let's take a look at the FBI again. And the FBI, two years ago, Christopher Ray was saying they'd open up an, a counterintelligence investigation every 10 days, every 10 days on a Chinese element in the United States. Just this last year, that whole program was canceled. Why? Because they used a false narrative, in my opinion, a total lie, saying that it was causing concern amongst the Chinese nationals coming here, but also Chinese here in America, they were being targeted. Well, think of that for a minute, based on what Dr. Yen just said. Every one of those 370,000 students is a reporter for China. Every one of them is then told to get certain things and bring it back to China. So doesn't it make sense you would want to investigate them? But Matt Olson, a, a gentleman who I work with at the Office of the Director of National Intel Counterintelligence, when he, he himself then said that, that we should take away and get rid of this program because it showed an inherent bias to Chinese. But at the same time, he says that we need more Chinese STEM students here. So here's our own FBI, the person who's in head of our National Security uh, Division at the FBI, pushing for more Chinese nationals to come here for STEM, fully knowing the counterintelligence and espionage impacts here. And so this is dumbfounding to me. This is just surreal, but it shows the level of sophistication and I think compromise in our U.S. government at the highest levels in working with China to subvert and undermine our country. So now we could go on to this topic here for some time, but because it, it makes my head explode uh, because it's just very surreal because what we're seeing is the measures that were taken and used for decades to subvert and control the Chinese are the same measures being implemented here in the United States. As I've written and talked about in the progressives war of unrestricted terror on America and the American Armageddon. But Dr. Yan, let's move to discuss a key aspect here then, is it's because if we could talk about all the problems there are for a long time, but we have to start to take a look at then how do we proactively address this? How does the US go back and drive a counter narrative and a counter influence campaign to do as we talked up front to impact Xi and impact Xi's policies? Well, so from my perspective, the United States lacks a coherent strategy. They lack even a strategy, a basic strategy to compete and move from a reactive to proactive posture in both the global and domestic cognitive wars. So you can see this as reflected also in our foreign partners, like Macron, who just visited with Xi. He and Xi are making a compact saying they want to move towards international democratic institutions. It, again, so, so surreal. So from your perspective, Dr. Yen, coming here to the United States now and seeing, you know, we have a national security strategy, but it, it's only good for four years, if that. And usually it's a, a, uh, it's a, it's a hollow tiger in terms of uh, script. But what's your perspective on what the U.S. national strategy should be 
to counter Xi to impact his policies and stuff like that. And you can borrow from what Trump did or whatever your perspective. But I'd be interested to hear from your perspective coming from China. What do you think the U.S. strategy should be to counter Xi? Oh yeah, uh, Edward. Can we uh, can I add a little bit additional information about what we talked just now? Because yes, uh, I just don't want to mislead our audience that when we talk about China controls the Chinese student and scholar, that program I mean basically uh, the PhD or over above level, and there are a lot of. Uh, younger student, they were here and financially by their own family. So that means they first has to be the family has a high income in China, which is already minority. And yes. also they're very young. So they're in, they live in Chinese uh, with a Chinese population, and the Chinese population basically are deeply manipulated and controlled by CCP too. So altogether, I will tell Americans that don't treat any every Chinese student as a spy or potential spy. No, but potentially CCP has enough capacity to manipulate or threaten them or seduce them when CCP want to use them to do something. But oh, yeah, so so let me interrupt for a second. Let, let, let me interrupt for just a second there. So I agree with you on that. And so uh, I don't want to paint every Chinese uh, person I coming see. here as a spy, but. They all have certain reporting requirements. They all have certain restrictions, as you said. But this goes back to my point. So I'm going to footstomp this for the intelligence community members who actually aren't compromised, who are willing to do things for the United States, is those students coming here, as Yen points out, their families are paying for them. So there are opportunities here to help pass and push forward the American narrative, the American understanding, okay, in subtle, different ways, but you need an actual strategy to do that. And it can't be just for the Chinese students. It has to be across the whole national security apparatus and structure. We need a long-term strategy for each region of the world as to what the United States sees that region becoming 100 to 1,000 years from now in relation to our ideals of independence, opportunity, and democracy. Knowing full well, some may never get there. But if we fail to define the future we want for America, we cede that future to folks like Xi and to Putin who define it for us. And so that's why it's very interesting to get Dr. Yen's perspective on what she thinks our strategy should be related to Xi, because we need to have this broader discussion, not just between her and I, but across the national security apparatus. But our cognitive dissonance and our heads stuck up our rear ends too far to see sunlight, it makes it very difficult to have this discussion. But Dr. Yen, let me apologize for interrupting you. Back to you as you're talking on, on, the, on the strategy and the students. Oh, thank you. So now we talk about, okay, we take the example to, of the students or TikToks to say how Americans should do to change the situation. Then now we say, why is there a lot of obstacles for both lawmakers and uh, IC members and other related people to handle the issue? Because you only react to the problem that is, as you said, reactive, the industrial age mode. That shows you that 
when you start to react to even a TikTok of one company, you see so many problems behind it. And even you just ban TikTok, or if you put the most restricted uh, policy to ban similar media from China, still it cannot stop the problem. So turn to the proactive is the best. And it, I would say it would be the only way for America to change the situation confronting China, Russia, and their evil axis. And that uh, axis is still enlarging. So what- uh, We have about a, we have about a little over a minute left. So, so if you can, uh, I know it's a lot to ask is wrap up your strategy suggestion in that, in that context. Thank you. Okay, sorry. So we have to briefly, you have to understand Chinese Communist Party, understand the culture, not only based on the study uh, you learned from books, you have to know it. And why you can't know it? Because Chinese speaking population, especially the Chinese speaking population who have the Chinese uh, experience like me, uh, are strictly restricted. And we are facing two huge threats when we try to help America to understand Xi Jinping and China. So what should do is, I would say America, I say, when we talk about I say, should change their working style, be more flexible, and we will in, we should enhance our communication to help you understand the CCP and the Xi Jinping and the China. That is a fundamental way to help you to wake up and understand why you need to change the mode to the proactive mode and also why it has to be done as soon as possible. You already suffer from COVID-19 and now you say the world situation changed during the COVID-19. What will happen? Go back to the fundamental, the root cause. We need to solve it all together. Yeah, no, so fantastic. So what, what I, I'd like to sum up what Dr. Yen said, I'll put it in my own words, is, is that we are too myopic and too stuck in industrial age technologies, mentalities, structures, and policies. We have to move into the information age, whole of government, whole society efforts, but do it in a more open sourced way versus relying solely on the classified behind green doors. So with that, Dr. Yen, I want to thank you very much again for coming on the program today to continue these discussions on the cognitive warfare. Please I want to list. Oh, thank you, Dr. Yen. And, and we're going to invite you back. So I hope you'll come back. Sure. But I'm, I'm here on the National Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power that you hear nowhere else. The power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.